Welcome to the Steve Dace Show podcast edition here powered by CRTV on iHeart, iTunes, and Stitcher. Thanks for tuning in. We love to know what you think about what we think. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. We just finished up taping our TV show for CRTV. Todd and Aaron are here standing by. Let's uh, give people a taste of uh, what's coming up today on CRTV. Todd, I'll start with you. Uh, well, uh, we had uh, White House correspondent in, uh, John Miller in uh, for reasons that have nothing to do with him being a White House correspondent. They had to do with apparently the left now thinks Dr. Martin Luther King uh, Jr.'s uh, declaration that we need to believe in the context of character instead of color of skin. Apparently that's really yesterday. So we brought in John to talk about that. Uh, Jerry Brown got heckled. You'll never believe what he said next. Yeah, today's fake news or not is a ton of fun on the TV show. And it's and the Jerry Brown clip in a year of low lights, that that may be video our video of the year when this is over. It, it, it's in, don't you think it's in the running at least? It's in the running. What's well, it's, it's a sign of tremendous That's, hope. That, <laughs> Tremendous hope. <laughs> the hope that we have finally hit rock bottom. Is it right? Because the only way up is once is to hit rock bottom. Yes. You got to you got to hit rock bottom before you start. You know, scaling. Uh, you know, your way back up the the the, uh, the sinkhole there. And this is a moment that that where even Governor Moonbeam may have just finally said, "Y'all crazy. <laughs> Y'all just crazy." Can we talk about this? I know I created you and everything, but. Pause button, maybe? <laughs> yes. All right, so you don't want to miss it today on CRTV.com. Promo code DACE. If you've never subscribed before, you don't just get our show, but all of the shows here at CRTV. Uh, the great one, Mark Levin. The new one uh, from uh, Phil Robertson of Duck Dynasty fame. Everything. Michelle Mock and everybody available right here on CRTV.com. Promo code DACE. And we also have monthly subscription options available if that's more in your budget. And if you try us during the uh, trial period, that's free. And you don't like us, cancel before it, it, it's over and uh, you won't be charged anything. So CRTV.com, promo code DACE. Today's podcast, we're going to deal with uh, the allegations against Judge Roy Moore, who is a, is a personal friend of mine, but, but maybe not in the way um, some of you are anticipating. Um. The tweet storm that I put on Friday, actually, no, it was Thursday. I keep forgetting Friday was a company holiday, pre-scheduled, so we had it all, or we had it off in advance. So I don't want anybody to think we were like ducking people. We, Veterans Day, dude, it's CRTV. We're taking Veterans Day off as a holiday, all right? Veterans Day at, for conservatives like Earth Day for liberals. We're taking the day off, okay? So uh, this is a company holiday, not knowing what was going to come out. In fact, I was on, I was doing a TV hit on HLN Thursday morning, having no idea what was going to happen 
two or three hours later, right? So we weren't ducking anything. It just so happened we had this time off pre-scheduled. Um, and so after I had some time to think about it, and I, I decided not to call and talk to the judge myself because I wanted, I wanted to think or really talk to too many people that know him or don't, or don't like him because I have people in my peer group that are both. But I did talk to a pastor friend of mine and a couple of others just to get a, a, a broad perspective of what would be the best way to handle this situation. Because I, I know right away I've got a bias, right? Objectivity does not come from not being biased. It's from recognizing when you have them. None of us can be objective. We're humans, guys. We're human beings. We can believe in objective truth, but, but we are incapable in our very essence of being objective. We're sinful. We're fallen. So we will often take objective truth and apply it subjectively in the way that fits us or the narrative we prefer at the time, and we're all guilty of this. That's why we have to need. That's why we need accountability. That's why the Word of God describes itself as a double-edged sword. That's why you know the church we're attending right now—they're doing a great job taking us through Romans. It's my favorite book of the Bible. It's the greatest theological treatise I think ever written in the history of mankind. It is the it is the summit of of Paul's the ministerial career combined with. Holy Spirit, inspiration, it's a harmonic convergence. But it's a troubling read for unbeliever and believer alike. Why? Because if you're a believer, there are chapters, like starting in Romans chapter 1, verse 18, for example, when you're like, yeah, give them another one. Stick it to them. They got it coming. And it's just almost as if Paul or Paul in the Spirit senses when future readers are going to get their self-righteous on because he turns the tables on you. Like, it, it, there's almost a rhythm to Romans. It's almost like a sonnet, a poem. We're right when you are about to get your most uppity, your most self-righteous, your most confident in your holier than thou, you get capped. <laughs> you get shanked, man. You're like, oh. And then when you're down, like in Romans 7, you got no hope. You're all flaming hypocrites. Pretty much the rest of your days, you're going to want to do all the sins that you ask God to forgive you for. Okay? You're going to have these thorns in your flesh. You can't get out of this. We then get to Romans 8, which culminates with some of the most beautiful prose ever written by our species. All things work together for the glory of God and for those called according to his purposes. Even those of you who are hypocrites, who have those thorns in the flesh, who fall, that means you too get to be a part of this providential promise. It's, it is brilliant and it's beautiful. That's what Romans is. It is brilliant and beautiful. And it shows us we can't be objective. I can't be objective where the judge is concerned, and I want to make sure everybody understands this going in. I can try my best to be fair, and I have tried to. You know, I had an accountability call with you guys here on the team Thursday night to make sure we, we were, A, on the same page, but did I not give you guys opportunities? Hey, if I'm not doing this right, if you object with what I just put on Twitter, tell me. That was the whole point of the call? Yes. Yep. I did a conference call with some conservative media people, names most of you listening would know, and they had me on because I'm one of the few people in major conservative media that actually knows the judge personally and is friends with him because he's always been sort of considered an, an outsider rebel, you know. Um, and I even told them in the call, Do, we're not investigative by nature. We're analytical by nature. We can't defend him. Now, I, I wouldn't say kneecap him, but don't defend him. He, it's his job to defend himself. Our job is to cover the story and to make sure the story is then being covered fairly by those who do do 
the uh, the uh, the investigative work. And so I say that up front because if you want to know my specific thoughts of this story, I would urge you to go get the tweet storm I posted on Thursday. And I have nothing more to add about the story because I'm not an investigative element. I want to believe my friend. I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. When I see a man who married a single mom he met at a Bible study that he's been faithful to for the last 33 years and adopted her child as his own, raised her daughter as his own, and then had three other children with her, and she's the best witness to his character than anybody else, I don't know what a human being can entrust another to other than their own life and the life of their own child that they didn't even have with this person. You can't entrust something more to a person than those two things. And Kayla's a pretty powerful character witness. But I'm also not going to just immediately say this is all politically motivated. I want to believe that because it's my friend. But we're also living in an era where I think, rightfully so, a lot of women are coming forward and saying, I'm tired of putting up with this all these years, and I'm going to start telling the truth. Now, what we have to be careful with is that we don't get into a Salem witch trials era, where we go from, I'm concerned about what's happening in the community, to, you know, I kind of like your farm better than mine. So I think I heard you guys saying an incantation last night. We have to be very careful with that. People are allowed to defend themselves. And when there's no external evidence other than somebody claiming something happened 35, 40 years ago, then absolutely the character of the person making the charge is a matter of record because there's nothing else. You, are in, you do get to defend yourself. There are people right now Mitt Romney coming out and saying, well, that's for the court of law. It isn't approved. The allegations are too serious. Seriously, Mitt, go screw yourself. Seriously. Because you know what I saw today when a sixth woman came out and said George H.W. Bush groped her? You know what I heard from Mitt Romney about that at the time we're taping this here at uh, 1235 Central Time? You know what I've heard about from, from old Mitt? Nothing. Nothing. When Mitt was accused of being a vulture capitalist, when Mitt was accused of having binders full of women, you guys remember all this? I do. You know who came to Mitt? You know who are the first people to come to Romney's defense? Many of the same people that are voting for Judge Roy Moore now. So if, if you believe the account of the Washington Post, that's your conscience, and I'm not here to argue with you. I, I don't have the means to question their investigative capability. I think the credibility of the reporter and of the accused is every bit a matter of, 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 comp, of, 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 of discovery here, as is the character of the person being accused. If you believe Judge Roy Moore because of what his life has been in and around these allegations, I can't argue with you there either because you know we're talking about stuff that may or may not have happened five decades ago with a guy who has been with the same woman married to her for 33 years so we're already out of a Harvey Weinstein Bill Clinton territory what did Matt Damon and George and uh, George Clooney say well we knew Harvey Weinstein was a womanizer well if you're already admitting the guy's a womanizer and then it's probably not a great leap to immediately jump to it's a it's a much larger leap from been married to the same woman for 33 years but I trolled the babysitter pool five de- decades ago that, that's a pretty big leap I'm not saying because I'm a total depravity guy by the way I'm not saying it's not a leap people have not taken I'm just saying when I've seen people compare this to Weinstein that's garbage that's garbage it's not the same circumstance at all 
It's just not. You get to defend yourself. You do. And what's happened here, and Eric Erickson said it best today, what's happened here is a group of Republicans who have not liked Roy Moore for many, many years are actually jumping on this more than Democrats are because they want they don't they would rather have a Democrat in that seat. They're trying to do what they did to Todd Aiken, basically, and I'm gonna talk about that in a moment because I was around that campaign quite a bit, so I know what happened with it. And so I want to have a larger conversation here today. I'm not here to exonerate Roy Moore nor to um, condemn him. And I'm not here to exonerate George Herbert Walker Bush nor to condemn him either. What I am here to talk about is why we're in this situation and what I think this story is really about. Because if I'm right, then nobody gets justice here. If these things happened to these women when they were younger, and really from what I read in the story, we're really talking about one girl, right? who was 14, the other girls were beyond the age of consent and their mothers were even quoted in the story saying, well, yeah, I thought it was a good idea to go out with them. So we're really talking, and correct me, if am I wrong about that? Tell me if I'm wrong about that. But I think we're really talking about the one allegation in particular goes yep. from creepy to verboten. Is, is, that, is that a good way of putting it? If that's, I'm wrong, fact check me. Oh, a, that's been, why the story yep. uh, led with that example. Okay. And B, I think we'd all agree you know, as dads right now, that hey, sixteen-year-old, hey. seventeen. My daughter's sixteen. If you're thirty-two, I will throat punch you or die trying. Yes. Okay. But there is a distinction between what culturally in the South, in a, in another era, sounds weird to us Yankees up here in the North. To no, <laughs> all right, all right. So you start talking about you know Matthew McConaughey and Dazed and Confused hanging out with trying to troll you know seventeen and eighteen year old chicks in high school when he when he that. But then there's no, okay. So that's that, there's 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 icky, creepy, a culture I don't understand, and then there's just uh, no, 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 hell no, you can't do that. All right. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I can know. Ultimately, I have to take a leap of faith. And I have to tell you, and that's one, one of the reasons why I said to our, our team here, let's just let this play out for a few days before we say anything more. And now we have let it play out for a few days, and here's what we've seen. Gloria Allred's involved. Folks, <laughs> when Gloria Allred comes out, it's literally like hell is saying, hey, it was us the whole time, yeah. okay? Seriously, when someone kicks over the ma- the pus-infested rock she lives under, and out she comes, it, it's like, apparently, hey, when Al Sharpton's not available, who you get a call? Call Allred. That's who they call. All right? So, it, it, that is, hell, hell is like, literally, it's like, hell is claiming, it's like when ISIS claims, we're claiming this one, this was us. Okay? So, the amount of hypocrisy here, from, from the, the swampy Republicans trying to undo a primary election they didn't like the result of. And how can you tell the difference? Well, Steve, how's that not whataboutism? Here's the difference. If you're, if you're saying what Ben Shapiro is saying, for example, today I'm going to name a lot of names. I think it's important to not paint with a broad brush yep. so everybody knows who we're talking about. Because if we, if we don't name names, we're going to be unfair to people. Okay? If you're, if, you're, if you're where Ben Shapiro is at today, I think Judge Roy Moore should step down. And he thinks George H.W. Bush is, at the very least, senile, if not a creep, that probably needs to apologize to a lot of women. If that's you, 
I'm not, I don't have my argument with you. I, my argument's not with you. You're at least trying to take a standard and apply it consistently. My argument is with those of you who have nothing to say when it's the person that represents your faction in the crosshairs. But when it's the one that represents the faction you don't like, you have a lot to say. And a lot of you work at National Review, frankly. I got a lot to say to you today. Because this is garbage. And what I've learned the last 48 hours, I wasn't going to say this, but I am now. What I learned the last 48 hours is the biggest scam in the history of American politics was never Trump. The biggest freaking scam of all time. And I was in on it and a part of it. Because see, you know what I thought it was? I thought it was looking at a guy who was clear his entire life cannot inhabit the same space as the truth. Who was going to clearly brand who we are in corrupting ways to a culture that already is turning away from what we're trying to conserve as conservatives. And I thought this was, we have to draw a line here. At some point, we have, at some point to win the culture back, we have to show them we have a line other than we dislike you so much, we will ignore and excuse anything in your place. Because that's when we become self-righteous, double-minded, double-standard hypocrites, just like them. They're going to beat us at that game. Our game is certainty. We win when things are certain, even if the certainty's bad. There's a reason why we don't advocate we fight against moral relativism as conservatives certainty is our jam if things are certain even if it's a bad certain we're going to win but when they're uncertain we are always going to lose because it goes against why because if you're a conservative you're already saying i'm certain about certain things that are worthy of being conserved and those certainties is what drives me to conserve them if you reject conservatism right away you're saying i'm not really certain about really anything other than what i want to be certain about at the time See, that's what I thought it was about. Oh, sure, I knew there were neocon, typical rhino types, nice guys that are like Bill Crystal and others in this. But, but I, I figured for the most part, that's what this was. And it turns out that's not what most of this was. Maybe it was for a few of us, like me. I think I know Erickson well enough to speak for him, at least somewhat. Maybe it was for some of us. But I think for most of these people, it was never about that. Most of it was how dare a faction that we don't approve of take control of the Republican Party. And we will hand, these, hand this freaking country over to Hillary Clinton rather than allow you rubes, you miscreants, you deplorables to win. It's gated community stuff. That's exactly yep. what it is. And I got to tell you, as a kid who grew up to, with a 15-year-old mom who stood up to a bully in the eighth grade and cleaned his freaking clock in choir class of all places. Knocked him to Mars defending myself when I'd had enough. And then, why, and then I, I was a student with a perfect score, perfect GPA. I get three days in-house detention. But the kid that bullied me had perfect attendance in the district, wanted to maintain his record so they could claim their trophy, and they only gave him one to maintain his attendance record. No. No. Because if I loathe anything more anything more than progressivism, which I think is a human unraveler. It unravels communities, families, cultures. If I, if, I, if I loathe anything more than that, it's your elitist, hypocritical horse bleep. I 
can't inhabit the same space as that. And I've watched more of that the last few days than I can tolerate. And I'm not going to tolerate it anymore. And I don't care how many bridges it burns. I don't care. And when we run out of kerosene, Aaron, you were to run down to the gas station, refill. Okay. All right. Christopher, Christopher Walken is right. Today's podcast will be titled More Cowbell. I don't care who gets alienated, who never follows me again. All of y'all, seriously, can take a long walk off a short cliff. Every last one of you can, can, take, can stick it where the sun don't shine. I'm not buying it anymore. Because this isn't about values it maybe it maybe it may, maybe it was supposed to be, and you know what the civil rights movement was supposed to be about equality too. Now it's not about that anymore. Now it's a race pimping industry, and the same thing is true with Never Trump. Maybe a few of us thought this was really about holding the line. We were really worried about hemorrhaging millennials like Aaron, who were looking at our hypocrisy, lining up with someone who was so clearly Ahabian in nature like Trump. That's never really what this was about, though. I th- we weren't co-opting. The swamp. They co-opted us. They used people like me. And I'm not happy about it. Especially because I should have seen it coming. Last few weeks, I've been half kidding, somewhat open. I've probably been more open to Todd and Aaron because they work with me every day. And we're a team here on the show. I have literally been having what amounts to a midlife crisis. I don't know how else to describe it. You think that's a fair description, yeah, person? Yeah, I, I think I've literally been having one. At first, I was kind of joking about it, and then after joking about it for a few weeks, I realized, crap, I'm actually having one. And the reason I was having a midlife crisis is because I was wondering, I'd looked at everything I've done the last 10 years, what I am proud of, what I'm not proud of, and I seem to get the result, same result of both the stuff I wasn't proud of and was proud of. <laughs> and it wasn't the result that I wanted. And I asked myself, what did I do the last 10 years for? You know, my kids, whenever we go out in public here in town and someone pronounces our name the right way, they freeze. Because our name is spelled Deese. So they know if someone pronounces their old man's last name Dace, they know they know us. And so they're bracing for, is this person going to give me a creepy hug because they love my dad more than they should? Or is this person going to give me an evil eye because they hate my dad more than they should? And I've asked myself a lot the last few months, what did I do any of this for? Have I not really had an impact? Yes, I'm making a good income, but, and I'm a capitalist, not a monk, but if I'm not making an impact, the income becomes irrelevant to me. I want to make a lot of income while having an impact. That's my goal, all right? I want both. But if you gave me the choice between impact and income, I wish I could tell you I'd choose the income, but when it comes down to it, I am a capitalist, but I'm just not as full-throated of one as I am a crusader. I want to make the impact. I just want to get paid well to do it. <laughs> just keeping it real, guys, okay? And I, real, I look back and I'm like, I've actually had a pretty big impact. It's been amazing what God has done with a kid born to a 15-year-old mom who flunked out of college because they don't let you major in Super Tech Mobile for an entire semester. And I realized that my midlife crisis is not about did I waste the last 10 years of my life. It's not about the past. It's about the future. And that's what I want to share with you for the rest of this podcast today. Because there's a choice coming, and it may already be here, that we are all going to have to make. And when I say all, I mean all of us. This choice is coming because the truth, not truth as a as a certifiable entity, but the truth, 
as an ultimate accountability measure. The truth is dead on the right. It has been replaced by tribalism, and the fact is, it's been that way for a while, probably. And I should have known this, because it goes back to my very first exposure to major conservative activism. It was 2008, the Iowa caucuses. I was working at WHO Radio, by far the most influential platform for conservatives in Iowa. A friend of mine who's a pollster, him and I got to be friends because he was polling state legislative districts. He was working for a national polling firm, and he was polling state legislative districts in Iowa for the Republican Party, trying to take over uh, the state legislature while I was on WHO. And he called me up one day at my desk. And he said, hey, are you Steve Deese? I mean, Deese? Yeah, he goes, all right, I just want you, he goes, want you to know, I am a complete redneck, country music-loving, uh, New York City Jew. I, I'm not like you evangelicals, but I got to tell you, I am damned impressed with, your, with what you're doing. And I said, why is that? And he goes, because I have never, in all my polling, seen one media outlet have as much influence with a base of voters as WHO does with several of the legislative districts that I am polling. And I've never seen anything like this in America. And that's how we got to be friends. And my show was not all of that, but was a part of it, but not all of it. There were other really cool shows, including my mentor, Jan Michelson. During my first major election there was the 08 Iowa caucuses. Wasn't the most inspiring field of candidates. There were a couple I liked. One of them was a guy named Mike Huckabee, but I I really liked him more culturally than politically, if you know what I mean. Um, Culturally, we were a good match evangelicals spoke the same cultural language you know um and we kind of had a breakdown in iowa among social conservatives in that cycle early on if you were catholic culturally had a match with sam brownback and he tended to rally those people if you were evangelical culturally had a match with mike huckabee and he tended to rally those people um but i was to the right of huckabee on several issues politically culturally we were more of a match than politically One of the primary reasons I decided to go full throat for Huckabee and turn my show into a Huckabee super PAC was the elitist hypocrisy I witnessed in this race. I got a call one day from a buddy of mine who worked at WRKO. Well, we we became buddies. I didn't know him before this. He worked at WRKO, which is the WHO of Boston. It's a legendary radio station. And he's like, hey, what do you know about Mitt Romney? Now, at this point in time, McCain was the front runner, and I can't stand John McCain politically. So on a daily basis, I was kneecapping him. And all I knew about Mitt Romney is, wasn't he the guy that saved the Olympics? I didn't know anything else, you know? He's like, have you really looked into his record? He sent me some stuff. I'm like, this, this stuff can't be true. It, it cannot be true. This is like Ted Kennedy's record. It can't be true, guys. Then he sent me videos of Romney back in 94, running for Senate on, I oppose Reagan Bush, trying to get to the left of Ted Kennedy on issues. And I'm like, how in the world have I not heard about any of this? I started putting this stuff up on the radio. And some of the same people that are now trying to condemn Roy Moore, while saying nothing about George Herbert Walker Bush perhaps being Chester the Molester, lost their freaking minds. They lost their minds. We're anti-Mormon bigots. I never had a problem Aaron, you got you cut your teeth listening to my show back then, right? Oh yeah. Yep. Did I ever? I Ron Paul flew three people to Iowa to tell us how liberal Mike Huckabee was. I put him on the radio, guys. 
and let them say everything they wanted to say. Did I ever go after anybody for going after Huckabee for being too liberal on certain issues? Never. No. Never. I even let them air their complaints. I had Fred Thompson on the air. I, I even let Romney people, Jim Talent, the former senator, used to come, came on my show three separate times at the end of that caucus cycle to talk about how liberal Huckabee was. That's Huckabee's record. He has to defend that, man. And if he can't defend his record, guess what? Don't vote for him. My problem was, why do I get to look at the, why do I get to vet the record of Mike Huckabee, but I can't vet the record of Mitt Romney? When his is comprehensively liberal. And you believed in that so strongly. This is at least one of two times in your career I remember. And they were where you said, if anybody can call in and prove I'm wrong about anything I'm saying, I'll quit. Yep. Openly gave that challenge. If, if there's anything about Romney I'm saying that's a lie, I will quit. They, they brought campaign people on. They all got destroyed. And I wish I could tell you they got destroyed, man, because I'm freaking Socrates come back from the dead. No. And don't send me emails. It's Socrates Dave. Okay? It's a Bill and Ted reference. All right? Be one of the cool kids. Okay? <laughs> I think we know that's not going to happen yeah, on not, so many levels. I know. Even after listening to this, they will still email you. <laughs> I know. I know. They got destroyed because I'm, I have a loaded weapon and they don't have a bullet in the chamber. Barney Fife's going to win that fight, guys. It's not because I'm Mensa. It's because I've got a howitzer and you've got a pea shooter. You're sitting over there with a slingshot, man, and you ran out of stones. Okay? That's not a knife. This is a is knife. A knife. <laughs> exactly. I can't lose this argument. It's all on my side. But yet you were an anti-Mormon bigot if you dared to vet Mitt Romney. Let me tell you about my anti-Mormon bigotry. Do I, do I believe Joseph Smith was a prophet? No. Because if I did, guess what I'd be, guys? I'd, I'd be a Mormon, obviously. Okay? But that book, Rules for Patriots, that we just took the audience through for a second time the last four months, do you know what campaign inspired that book? When I helped Matt Schultz become the first Mormon to win statewide office in Iowa political history for Secretary of State. The Ten Commandments of Political Warfare in this book were written off of an email I sent to, Matt sent me an email, I need help, what would you have me do? I said, give me a day to think about it. And I came up with these 10 commandments of political warfare, emailed them to him verbatim, that's exactly what's in this book, guys. Okay, Cleon Skousen, we just finished taking our audience for a second time through, and the book is sitting here on our desk. What's it called, The 5,000 Year Leap? Who's Cleon Skousen? Constitutional professor at BYU, guys. Can you get more LDS than BYU, guys? I've been there and the answer's no. Yeah. Glenn Beck, my new book, or latest book, Nefarious Plot, do you know why it has a movie deal? Has a movie deal because Glenn Beck read it, thought it was C.S. Lewis good, brought me on the show. Believe Entertainment was listening to Beck that day. The people that run that company went out, they didn't know me from Adam. They went out, bought the book, read it themselves, like, let's make a movie out of that. I wouldn't have a movie deal if it went for Beck. So you can take your anti-Mormon bigotry card and seriously plunge your impale yourself with it thrice. And then let me throw in a fourth just to make sure we got you. We got it good. If you see when you go to the if you disagree with me, you must be a bigot card. I know you're I know a lot of folks are just broken by that. However, I would not be one of them because I already know I'm not likable and will likely never have enough friends anyway. So it really doesn't bother me to hurt anybody else's feelings. It's a long and undistinguished list. And so when you start to de- demagogue me like the left, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to do you like I do the left. 
And so all these media people and Fox came here after the 08 caucuses before 2012 and, and Wall Street Journal and all these people wrote all these stories about, I'm the reason Mike Huckabee won and I am not. I've always told you that and it ain't false humility. Gentlemen, you know me pretty well. Do I do that humble brag thing? Is that my jam? No, you'd be taking that credit yeah, and running yeah. with it. Let me tell you something, man. I'd have that helmet sticker tattooed on my face quicker than you can say Mike Tyson, okay? If I gave, if I could give myself credit for Huckabee winning. I don't get any credit for Huckabee winning. Candidates win elections. But I do get credit for this. I'm the reason Romney lost. Because I did all the oppo research that Huckabee didn't have the resources and, let's face it, the balls to do. I did it. So Huckabee won. I'm why Romney lost. And I've never regretted it. Because that was a complete and total crock that many of the same people trying to deploy a double standard against Roy Moore are using right now. I saw this again with Todd Aiken. And I remember seeing his comments and I'm like, he just cost us a Senate seat we can't afford losing. Like many other people in the conservative media, I wasn't working for CRTV at the time. I was working for USA Radio Network. So like many of those other people, I... I went right on the air. He's got to go. He's killing us. And then I had a few people email me, say, hey, what do you know about Todd Aiken? All I knew about him is he was in Congress. I didn't know anything about him. Okay. I didn't know, again, veteran, homeschool dad, great family, which is fine, but that doesn't mean that you get absolved of your political sins either. There's lots of great people I wouldn't vote for for public office, right? But out of this conversation, some of the people that were involved in his campaign that later on were involved in other campaigns that I've been a part of showed me what was really going on in that state with the establishment and invited me to come down to an event in St. Louis with Todd Aiken and some faith leaders. And I went. My wife and I went. And the story about who Todd Aiken is, this is how I got to know the people at Bot Radio Network who just celebrated their, I think it was 55th radio anniversary. Some of the best people I've ever met in America, by the way, are Dick Bot and his son. They're just, they're America, guys. They're America. They're just great human beings. I, I, I'm not even going to say when I grow up I want to be like them because I know I'm just not capable of it. I'm too damaged. I can't be as good a people as they are. This is how I got to know a lot of these people. And through these interactions, I won't tell you who shared these emails with me. I saw actual emails that Rove's allies and the establishment's allies were sending to churches in Missouri, threatening their nonprofit status if they would not stop holding events and rallies to support Todd Aiken. And it became clear to me that this really isn't about we have to win this Senate seat. I'm still open to the idea, by the way, that Aiken should have stepped down to make that a winnable seat. That's a, that's a separate matter. That's why I don't, I don't criticize Shapiro for coming to the conclusion Roy Moore should step down. It was clear this wasn't about winning a Senate seat. It was about maintaining control of the Missouri Republican Party. And this was an attempt to essentially nullify a primary they didn't want they didn't like the result of they were trying to steal an election there's no other way to put it that's what they were want that's that's what they were after here because they were willing to do things to us they never do to the democrats they never do to the left say that again because and etch it in stone 
Do you think? Do you think Rovinist people sent any notes to Jeremiah Wright's church threatening his tax exempt status for his partisan anti American crap from the pulpit? Think they would ever do that? Well, we well, have to. We have to police our own side. Yes, and if we did that, we'd be called racists. But they'll do it to us. See, there's two standards here, guys. Two. The standard they hold us to and the standard they don't hold themselves to, those are the only two standards. I had no problem at all with people thinking Aiken has lost a Senate seat. Don't vote for him. Did anybody force Todd Aiken to make those comments other than Todd Aiken? No. Similar here with Judge Roy Moore. Is anybody, him or his accusers, either they're lying or he is? Either way, is anybody responsible for who's lying other than who's telling the lie? Anybody? No. But there's a separate matter happening here. And that matter is, we would rather lose than lose control of this party. And that's what's going on here. Because the same Mitch McConnell who would say, I, who said today, I believe in the account from the Washington Post, we've had six accounts of women being groped by George H.W. Bush. What in the Sam Hill has Mitch McConnell said about a one of them? Anything? John McCain, Moore's got to step down. But, uh, but, but, uh, but Ted Kennedy, my amnesty buddy, who left a woman to die at the bottom of the sea in Chappaquiddick, he's a happy warrior. Hell to the no. Because I sure as hell ain't signing up for Trump is Cheeto Jesus any more than I'm signing up for your swampy establishment scam. Hell no. Hell to the no. And I believe that is what is happening here. And I, and I believe that based on the behavior of most of those that are engaged in this at this moment. Chris Hayes of MSNBC wants to be all like, well, I think we really need to have a reckoning about the Clintons on the left. Hey, screw you, dude. What was your reckoning the last two years when you tried to get Hillary Clinton like the president of the United States? You're a freaking hack fraud farce. And I spit on your grave. You suck at life in general. Repent. Get forgiven of your sins. Get born again. Because this first life you're living blows chunk wads, Chris. You're bad at it. You had no need for a reckoning when it was about pure, unadulterated power during the 2016 election cycle. Where was the reckoning then? I wonder when Bill Clinton came out and gave a fabulous speech for Hillary at the Democratic convention last summer. Did Chris Hayes sit there and say on MSNBC, I just wonder if it's time for us to have a reckoning about the Clintons and their sexual escapades. I think we all know the answer to that. These people are fake, frauds, phonies. And here's the game. The game is you hold yourself to a standard we will not hold ourselves to. You de-weaponize, you disarm, while we mount up. You want to know why we lose? Remember I said a few minutes ago I was always going to win the argument against Romney's people because I had all the ammunition? Well, when one side's mounting up and the other side's de-weaponizing, who's going to win that one? You don't have to have great military strategy. You don't have to have ha- you don't have to be Hannibal and from, from taking the elephants from Carthage through the Alps to conquer Rome to win that fight, guys. When one side's like, "Oh man, they made one allegation in the Washington Post. I guess we just give up the whole thing. We just surrender the country." And the other side's like, "Hey, Bob Menendez, Bob, where the young hookers are? Menendez is about to get convicted, maybe from a jury, but he shouldn't resign. In fact, we need his vote. So there, you can't win that." And that's the game we are being forced to play. Which brings us to this choice. My wife and I love the show Survivor. 
You guys watch it, by the way? No. Not in a long time. No. It, it, yeah, I don't blame you. It's the same show every season. Okay? It's the same archetypes. It's the same tropes. But it's also one of the few things to watch nowadays where I, I don't have to think of the worldview of the show, yay or nay. I can just check my brain at the door. My wife, my wife doesn't have to worry, okay, is, is this storyline going to piss my husband off and I got to get in a 15-minute convert? You know what I'm saying? There's not, there's not too many places left for us to, to, to just mindlessly not be confronted with either demagoguery, debauchery, or debate. It's, it's, a, it's a game show. It's basically the price is right on an island. It's a game show. So you already know the archetypes, you already know the tropes, but we watch every season of it. Okay, we, get, we like predicting who will win and things of that nature. It's one of the last remaining places of entertainment neutral ground left in our home, frankly. Every season on Survivor, what happens is they start with two or three or four tribes. And then once the, the, the herd is culled, they, they have what's called the merge. And this is when all of the people remaining in all the tribes are merged into one. And then they fight it out to the end to see who the winner is. This is where the Republican Party is right now. The 2016 election was the merge. All these factions that hate each other, the Trump cult, the, the deplorable. See, I think the deplorables and the cult, again, are a different thing. Because the Republican establishment thinks anybody that doesn't, doesn't do everything they told them, tell them to do, you're wearing flannel day at work, Todd, you're a deplorable. Okay? There's, so we can call them the grassroots, whatever you want to call them. There's that. There's the libertarian set. There's the Christian conservatives. And some people belong to two or three of these different factions at the same time. But they all got thrown into one merge after Republicans won everything in 2016. And now they are all one tribe. So that's what's happened so far. Here's what's going to happen next and is happening now, in fact. After the merge happens, two alliances will then emerge to, to take control of the one tribe so they can, they can vote out everybody in the other tribe. And then they fight amongst themselves at the end to see who the winner is. And then at that point, it's every man for himself. Okay? This is what's happening right now. There are two alliances. Now, I don't like pe painting people with a broad brush in general, but we also are in an industry where perception is reality, and since this is the perception, it is our reality right now. There are two alliances. There is the swamp establishment corporatist um, alliance, and people join that alliance because sometimes they're just secular and they're not comfortable with faith-based people like us. Sometimes they join it because they're just complete corporatist hacks. And they're Aaron Burr types who believe government exists to line their pockets, basically. Sometimes they join it because they think people like us go too far and they're worried about totally disturbing the cultural peace. And so they're trying to hold on to as much common ground with the other side as possible. Whatever the reasons are, they join. Once they join that, that alliance, they're all the way in. And they will then use tactics against the, the other alliance, like I said earlier, this is why, why do they do things to us, some of you ask, they don't do to Democrats. I'm telling you right now. Because they believe they have to beat you first and then worry about beating the Democrats. Beating you is more important. You have a higher priority. Because no one gets to win the game Survivor unless the other alliance has gone first. That's one alliance. The other alliance is what I, for the sake of this conversation, will call Team Bannon. Now, this is a debate that has existed far longer than most of us, than Steve Bannon being a household name. But since he is really the anointed perceptive leader and frankly is spending, as I know can tell you for a fact, spending his own political capital on it, like he is helping Judge Roy Moore in Alabama at the moment. That's that's what we have. We have the swamp, the establishment, the corporatists. And then there's Bannon, 
and that's the grassroots, that's activists, etc. These are the two places, the two alliances we have. If you want to do anything constructively successful on the right, here's your choice. You're going to have to choose one of these two alliances. And this is what's really been bothering me the last few months. It's not the past. It's this future. Because I'm not a joiner by nature. I'm a contrarian by nature. I hate flawed binary choices. This isn't a flawed binary choice. It's an effective, it's an effective mechanical one. It's red, blue, red pill or blue pill. Now, there's a third choice in that, by the way. You don't have to take any pill. That's the third option. Some of you, some of us, all of us here on this show, I don't know. We may come to the, we may not come of one mind of what choice to make on this when the time comes for us to make our call. But that third choice is you're going to do something else. You're going to do worldview, culture, ministry, a whole different career path. But in terms of direct political activism on the right, Maybe you'll just go work with the people of the Federalist Party on forming a third party. But if you want to do direct political activism on the right, you will have to join one of these factions. There's no other path. It doesn't exist. It doesn't. And there will be no market to make it exist. Because this is a civil war that has been long brewing, and we're going to have it now. We're going to have it now. And you're at that point in a divorce when you start saying things about the person you used to procreate with that you wouldn't say about the person at your job that you can't hate, that will not be reconciled. That's, and that's where we are now. Okay, that's where we are. We are saying and doing things to each other that we would hesitate saying and doing about each other on MSNBC. There's no, there's no, back, no coming back from that. One alliance will win. And then once that alliance wins, they will then battle within that alliance to see who will be the survivor who's the who wins who's who's king but that's that will come later and that may not even come while we're even around frankly that can take a long time but we're going to have that battle the first battle right now everyone listening to me right now everyone in this room right now and i mean everyone everyone at crtv it's ironic my wife uh, TiVo, the blue and the gray. We both loved that miniseries when we were in high school. We hadn't seen it in years. Brother rises up against. That's where we're going to be. We're not all going to agree on what to do. Some of us are going to say the cause is so great that I'll justify having. It, it's like love, dude. Man, she got that one crazy uncle. Christmas and Thanksgiving every year, really, at his house. Why do we do it though? Because we decide we love her or him more than the annoyance and creepiness of that crazy uncle-in-law. Some of us will make that decision. Other of us will say, I can't. I'm sorry, I can't do it. And that's okay. Then you're going to have to figure out a market like Ben Shapiro has, where he does not do direct political activism. He is essentially doing worldview training, speaking on college campuses, things of that nature. But if you want, but but much of what Ben is doing is inconsequential in the outcome of elections. It's inconsequential; has no impact on it at all. Now, the impact he's having culturally, I think, is pretty tremendous. Would we agree on that? Hope so. Yes. Yeah, but I'm, I'm just going to tell you, guys. I work in this business. I see the data. I see the analytics. 
I see it all. Who's getting the traffic? Who's winning the primaries? Who's gaining followers? In the world of direct activism, it is the people that choose one of these two tribes or alliances. Why? Because that's where the gravity is pulling us. And gravity is a female dog. You can't fight it. So you will decide, all of us, this is the orbit, I'm, this is the gravity I'm willing to surrender myself to, succumb myself to, because I believe the cause is worth it. Either reining you people in is worth it, or defeating, disrupting the status quo is so worth it, worth it that I'll put up with even systemically flawed standard bearers if I have to. Some of us will make that choice, and some of us will make the choice to try and find another way, or we will just do something else entirely. But there is no reprogramming of the Kobayashi Maru. We don't get to come in the night before, Kirk, reprogram it and find a way out. Geosynchronous orbit, laws of motion have brought us here. Read this head. Shots have been fired at Sumter now. We're done debating. We're done writing letters. We're, we're done writing letters to our southern and northern family members. I wish, I, let's just get together for Christmas and put this all aside. That's all over now. What people are watching right now happen with Roy Moore and not even the allegations, but the hypocrisy level is, a, is I know, I'm seeing the emails, guys, and a lot of them from women. They're a point of, I shared one of them with you guys this weekend. A lot of you have reached your point of no return now. You've just had it. And it reminds me of something I saw two years ago. I was standing backstage at the Family Leadership Summit with all the presidential candidates, and Trump is getting ready to potentially close me to come work for his campaign. And I'm watching as he tells Frank Luntz, I'm 20, 30 feet on the side of the stage, as he says to Frank Luntz, I've never asked God for forgiveness because I've never done anything wrong, and um, I, I prefer soldiers who weren't captured. And the groans, you were there, Todd. Yeah. <clears throat> we walked, it was uncomfortable. You really felt like you watched a guy just self-immolate in front of you. It was uncomfortable to watch. And as he's walking out, I'm trying to avoid making eye contact with him because I know he's going to want to meet with me. And he's going to ask me, hey, what should I do about this? And I was going to tell him, I don't know what to do. I'd quit. You're going to hurt your business brand with these sort of incendiary comments. You know, you've built an empire. You can't win anyway. Walk out. That would have been my advice. I didn't have the guts, frankly, to give it to him. So I bailed. True. That's what happened. I'm not proud of it, but I'm, not gonna, I'm never going to lie to you guys. I bailed. <sighs> Next day, Amy and I go to the movies after church. I get a call from Sam Nunberg, who was running Trump's political machine at the time before he lost a um, power struggle with Corey Lewandowski. He said, hey, I'm going to send you something. Tell me what you think, because I took it right out of your playbook. I used, I took the advice you've given me in the past. Tell me what you think. And Sam had sent me a column for USA Today that he had ghostwritten for Donald Trump. And essentially, if I could sum up the column, it was these words. I've given more money to veterans groups than the gross domestic product of Botswana. You're all a bunch of frauds. F all you all. I don't care. Screw you. Nobody likes you anyway. And I'm not getting out. How you like that? I called Sam back. Bold move, Cotton. Uh, I know that's been my advice in the past, but I'm not really sure now that someone's done it, it's going to work. It was nice knowing you, you know, I thought he was toast. You know, I've lived in this world of Twitter and cable news and that's America, right? 
Whatever we're having a hissy fit about on Twitter and cable news is, is, is what America thinks. A few days later, I called Chuck, who's the, I think, best grassroots organizer in Iowa that I had personally recommended to the Trump campaign, and they paid him a good amount of money to come work for him on my recommendation. And I knew Chuck would tell me the truth. Chuck and I don't always agree, but I know he, he's, we've never lied to each other. And I knew he would tell me the truth. I'm like, dude, what's your life been like this week? He goes, Steve, I gotta, I'm, I'm always going to tell you the truth, brother. Sunday morning, I, I was going to quit. Because the event happened on a Saturday, right? Sunday morning, I was going to quit. And then I thought, I'm gonna lay, let me say, live it out for a couple more days and just see. He goes, I'm getting more text, emails, and even snail mail than I've ever seen in my career. I'm even getting stuff from veterans who hate Trump. They're just tired of being told what's polite to say, what, you, what you're permitted to think, what candidates are agreeable to vote for, and they're just sick of it. I got, he goes, I got, I got emails from here from people. I'm never voting for you. I hate what you said. Keep saying it. I'm tired of being told what to think. He goes, Steve, we're raising money. This, thing, this thing's gone from a curse to this is a big boost for us. I thought, okay, I know you're not lying to me, but maybe you're kind of giving me a spin. Who's president right now, guys? And you know what? We look back on those comments now with the stuff that's come out since. Don't those seem tame compared to what's been said? Out of his own mouth on his own Twitter account since then. Well, I think that is more evidence of what I'm saying. Where I'm saying we are is correct. We are at a point now. People are just tired of it. And they're not giving in anymore. And they think those of us that want to go on mainstream media networks or Amanda Carpenter write for Cosmo or David French and write for the Washington Post or Steve Dace and go on CNN. And, and yeah, I've read what David writes there and what I've, I've actually read two columns Amanda's written for Cosmo, if you can believe that. And I'm, I'm ashamed, but I just have that high regard for her work. I was curious. What she writes is really good. And she, she points out where the left is wrong in her columns. Do I do that when I'm on television? Yeah. But do you think they really hear it? No. You know why they don't hear it? Because they don't care. Because what, whatever we're, whatever, whenever we're pointing out the standard the left has, has violated, they already abandoned that standard years ago. And so when we tell the cognitive dissonance kicks in, here's where the left is wrong. French writes this for the Post. I, I say this on CNN or HLN or MSNBC. Amanda writes this on in, in Cosmo or on, it says it on CNN. They just, like when Amanda said, when, when, when um, oh, the guy who actually has ratings on CNN, um, who's at eight o'clock Eastern, who am I thinking of? Cooper? Yeah. When oh. Anderson Cooper said, why do you want Planned Parenthood defunded? What did she say? Because they kill people. Remember when she said yes. that? Mm-hmm. We played that clip. Yep. Anderson Cooper looks at her. Okay. Uh, what do you think over here on the left? That's, <laughs> that's what happened. Is that not what happened? That's what happened. So what happens is whenever we, even we go on these formats and we use them to call down ordinance on the left over their heads and then they, they, what happens is they take the part they want. When we call out the hypocrisy of the right or the right violating our standard, ignore when we point out the left is doing it. And they say, see, that's why these conservatives are a bunch of hypocrites. We have permission to do whatever we want to them, even destroy their lives like we're trying to do to Judge Roy Moore right now. And destroy the country because these people are bad like we told you they were. That is the game. And we gain nothing. Yeah, I get emails from people. I really appreciated hearing what you had to say. You sounded so reasonable on CNN today. The minute I go on there, though, when they ask me when life begins and I tell them it's conception, do you think people that that abort children are murderers, Steve? Yeah. In fact, I think they probably ought to be prosecuted by the law. 
those exact same people who were emailing me before to tell me I really appreciated Steve how reasonable you were and it's good to see there's a reasonable conservative out there most of those exact same people 99.99999% of you know what they're gonna say you're a racist misogynist homophobic bigot like n- nothing look at what Mike Lee did this past few days with, with Judge Ray Moore let me tell you what's going on in his office I don't have to know because I know I know I know I know I know his base because they're mine I promise you Mike Lee is getting destroyed on his own Facebook wall, probably. Tons of angry emails from people. You abandoned us by de-endorsing de- Roy Moore. He might have had very good reason. If I know Mike, Mike Lee, he doesn't really do anything without conscientious reasons. Whether you agree with him or not, he's at least tried to think it through. It doesn't matter. Because all Mike Lee did politically was, was, was send a signal to a bunch of people that he thought he was, he, that they've had his back when the system did not. And all Mike Lee did was, to them, it looked to them like he abandoned them while not gaining any favor from people who hate him for his principles for being principled. He gained nothing. This was the ultimate loss leader. It was a stupid political move. It's dumb. You may think it was morally the right one, but politically, it's, fr- it's frankly one of the dumbest things a Republican's done this year, in my view. It, he, it, is, it, is, the, it is a total loss leader. You gain nothing from it. Because he won't get credit from anybody who doesn't, for his t- principles. They'll abandon him like that. The minute the, minute the same principles that, that led Mike Lee to say, I can't in good conscience do this anymore. The minute he uses those principles, I, I can't in good conscience vote for your next fake Obamacare repeal. Many of those same people, what are they going to do when he does that, Todd? They're going to destroy him. You're the why we can't keep our promises. You conservatives are never pleased. It's always the conservative. You guys see, you know, you see what I'm saying here? This is where we are at. And so we all now must make a choice. We will either marry one of these alliances. And but I mean marry, we will marry. What it, Todd, when you're married, what does that mean? It means you praise when you agree. When you don't agree, you often don't criticize, but usually say, Nothing. Am I preaching here? Am I preaching here? There's those times. Yes. Okay. And um, realize that blood and love is thicker than water and the comment section on your blog. Okay. We will make this choice because we believe that the object in which we love, in this case, our way of life as conservatives, as patriots, is so at existential danger that it is worthy of making this accommodation. Well, Steve, this sounds like why people voted for Trump. Uh, Trump's a different animal. That, here's why. Trump is so systemically flawed. Like the truth in Trump can't even inhabit the same Twitter, 140 characters on Twitter, let alone space. It was, it's easy for people like me to say Trump's a bridge too far because the guy is a walking moral repudiation on a daily basis. What's not going to be so easy is in this era of post-sexual revolution and everybody's tainted. I'm just going to tell you right now, I spent too much time in my late teens and early 20s inebriated. It would not shock me tomorrow if a, young, if a woman my age came out and said, yeah, I heard you on TV talking about Jesus and being born of a single mom. I've been trying to track you down for 25 years. You got me pregnant and left me with a kid. I, I can't promise you that that didn't happen. That's the way I lived back then. I don't, I don't know what. I, I probably slept with women, women I don't know of or thought I slept with women I did not. And my story is not unique, guys. In fact, it's the default setting of America post-sexual revolution. And we're going to have to decide if Samson's willingness to tear down the Temple of Dagon is worthy of putting up with the fact that dude has a rewards card at the red light district. We're all going to have to make that decision. 
With Trump, it was much easier to say no. Because he just gives you reasons all the time. He gives you indef- he gives you all the indefensibles without almost any of the benefits all the time. You know what I'm saying? I mean, really. On a daily basis, you find yourself playing defense with him, almost never offense. But what do we do with somebody who will put you on offense, but with, whether, with the way they lived their life in the past makes you play defense? We're all going to have to make that calculation because the devil's really good at this. And so here's what he did. He, he systemically corrupted a culture, tainted all of us with it. How many Christian single men listening to me right now that have I put you on a lie detector test and asked you, have you recently violated Jesus' commandment that to even look on a woman with lust in your heart is adultery? Have you done that with your smartphone in the last three days? How many of them would pass? And then I, and then I will point my finger at them, adulterer, by your own standard, adulterer. Many of the same senators pulling their support for more are murderers because they voted to fund murder at Planned Parenthood. See, this is the game the devil wants. There's no standard. Moral confusion is everywhere. And when anybody stands up to fight back because they may have also been flawed or succumbed to this in their past, therefore they're ineligible to do anything good now. And we crush them. I just got through coaching in a, in a church-sponsored flag football league for my kid. You know how many kids were named David, Samson, and Adam? Adam brought evil into the world, guys. Brought it into the world. Is that bad? A little bit. Bad. David. <laughs> David's a terrible human being. <laughs> terrible. Terrible. Murdered to get sex, basically. Yes. Samson we already talked about this is what we're going to have to wrestle with a lot because what the enemy wants is uncertainty chaos no one can do good it's the final scene in the dark night I hand off bombs to two different boats we play this high school game we play we play out a real life version of the game in high school ten people on a boat only six can survive decide which four get to get to go Okay, this is the game. This is the game. My wife does sex counseling for a living because she had she had more baggage coming into our marriage with the sexual revolution in her past than even I did. And I had a lot. Part of her senior theses and master's theses is to uh, get accounts on places like Ashley Madison and Adult Friend Finder, these hookup sites, to figure out the subcultures. How do people relate? Why? Because people that are hooked on this stuff are coming to her for help. Needs to know what she's, what, she's, what she's dealing with. So tomorrow, someone comes out with, uh, your wife has an account on Ashley Madison and you guys are... Che-. Given the seriousness of the allegations, my life is now forfeit. I can make no defense. I can't defend myself at all. No. Well, Steve, that's the, that's the argument used for why women don't come forward. I want women to come forward. I've been encouraging it for the last few weeks. But you get to defend yourself too. Women sin too, guys. We've had legions of female teachers sleeping with their young male underage, non-consensual students for over a decade now. These guys that are these guys that are out there enjoying the fruits of the sexual revolution aren't doing this by themselves. There's another there's a woman there, guys, either in real life or on the internet. 
a lot, some of them on the internet got there from, frankly, sex trafficking. Others are like Jenna Jameson, who's a conservative commentator now. She chose to do it. She made a business decision. Women like sex too. They have libidos too. Not every woman who was not a virgin on her wedding night is because she was raped. She liked sex. We're all broken by this culture. And so we're going to have to decide when the enemy gets done breaking all of us and then when one of us decides we're going to rise above it and says, you don't get to rise above it because you're broken too, do we then just say, you're right, you're broken too, so we just stay broken? This is the trap we're going to find ourselves in. And a lot of you have decided, because of what I just articulated, you have joined Team Bannon. Some of us, more of us will. More of us will decide we're going to have to do something else because we just... I've got, we're just going to decide with all the other baggage you bring to the table. That's a level of baggage I can't take on. And I don't think there's a right or a wrong choice. I think it's, it's everybody else's conscience, what they're going to be willing to put up with, the, the relationships, either way, they're going to be willing to lose, the price they're going to be willing to pay. That's a choice each of us is going to have to make. But gentlemen, it is a choice, I do believe, each of us will have to make. And I'll just leave it with, at this. I was beaten a lot as a kid. My dad hit me in the face with belt buckles, his belt. I'd get coached sometimes before going to school on how to lie to my teachers, basically. How to explain these marks, these bruises. I used to wake up in the middle of the night hearing my mom getting wailed on. For about 15 years of my life, I didn't know on a given day, particularly when Dave was on layoff during the wintertime and he wasn't working, so he was home all day. I mean, he could have, he, all day long, he was playing Super Mario Brothers, getting drunk, getting stoned. I could be coming home. He was in the greatest mood, and he played Super Mario Brothers with us till midnight. I could also come home, and other stuff happened. I remember we lived on Vineland Street. I was 10 years old. My brother, Scott, was five. We lived on Vineland Street in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and Scott was playing with matches in the backyard, and Dave found out. Very serious. Could have burnt our whole home down. Dave was right to spank him. But he didn't punish him. He raged. He beat Scott so bad, I can still hear Scott's cries from the basement while I was in the kitchen listening. And I remember thinking, I need to go down there and defend my brother, who frankly, him and I didn't really get along because we're not a lot alike. But I, I, I wanted to go defend him, but I was too little. I was scared. I, I was going to get beaten too. I decided I, I, I'm, I feel really bad but I, I can't do anything about it. I went through this a lot. When I got into my teenage years, I put my headphones on in my, in my room because when Dave got done beating on Vicky and Scott, he'd come looking for me. And if he knew that I was aware of what was going on, he'd beat me too. But if I had my headphones on listening to music and acted like I was oblivious, why do you think I know so much about 80s bands, guys? I'm telling you right now, this is why I know. Spent a lot of time uh, dropping out, escaping. Because if I acted like I didn't see him in the corner of my eye, looking at me in my bedroom, but I was into the music, he would walk away. Literally pass over, if you will. This does a lot to you. I have a lot of scars from this. God was very wise to wait several years after Amy and I were married to give us a child. To try and get as much distance between this Steve and this Steve as possible. Because of what happened to me, though, should I assume that every time 
a man is accused of beating his kids and there is nothing else in his life that indicates anything remotely close to that behavior, should I, because of what happened to me, automatically assume he's guilty, he doesn't get to defend himself, his life is forfeit, and we can destroy him? I'm all about justice. The way I was raised is one of the reasons why I have such a thirst. I'm such a crusader. I grew up around so much injustice in my own home. I crave it now. My, like we crave oxygen. But I also don't think just handing out scarlet letters on allegations from ent- media entities, nine times out of ten, we don't trust to even tell us, be honest with us about what, the, what, what anything is, is justice either. And I don't think it's fair for me to assume because of what happened to me, every person, every dad accused of this, therefore, is guilty. That's not justice. That's me imposing my own psychosis on somebody else. And in many ways, that's what Dave did to us. He was beaten as a kid, so he imposed it on us. Well, when I impose my baggage on other people's character without a lot of evidence or just assume and rush to judgment on them, I'm doing my own version of that. Todd and Aaron, you get final thoughts. I don't feel right saying anything else other than it's an honor to work on this show. Yep. Bravo. Ditto. I second everything he says. Everything. Everything. And I'm not going to be lectured by people who uh, whistle through the gender-bending and baby-killing graveyard. Not going to happen. And you shouldn't either. That doesn't ever mean... Ever mean... Uh, delve into whataboutism uh, and do the two legs good, four legs bad thing. But this, this is a re- the worst sort of Vegas magician show in the world that you are seeing. There's no truth there. Run away from it and find some. The National Review types, the conservative smart set. Uh, as far as I'm concerned... They are all literally worthless, and they deserve what's coming to them. That'll do it for today's podcast. I hope whether you agree or disagree with everything I said, you received it with the sincerity that was behind it. John 317. This is Steve Dace. I like it, you.